Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, Season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. This is the Detroit Supercross wrap-up, and proudly uh, uh, having BTOsports.com on the show has been great. They, uh, they've been around for years for us on these podcasts, uh, helping us out. Use the code PULPAMEX to save yourself money. Go ahead. Surf the other sites. Look for tires. Look for the prices on tires. And then go back to BTO and see what they can do for you for tires. Cheapest tire prices around, people. And, of course, Fox Racing, Ryan Dungey, Ken Rocks, and Brock Tickle, uh, among others, that uh, wear Fox Racing, uh, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear. Instinct boot, V4 helmet, airspace performance goggle, 360 racewear, adult and youth riders alike. Uh, for more information, check out foxhead.com or visit your local authorized Fox dealer. Fox Racing, uh, long time, uh, great sponsor of the sport. All right, uh, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, RacerX Online editor, uh, my boss, Jason Wygant. Yeah. And the uh, BTO Sports VIP headman, Jason Thomas. What's going down? All right, thanks for joining us, joining me, you jerkies. I just got in like an hour ago. I haven't watched the race. Well, I watched a little bit on the plane until we took off, and I was too cheap to put my credit card in and pay for it. So I'm in. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured you'd be proud of me. So I haven't watched it yet, um, but uh, first of all, going back to Detroit, I, uh, I stayed downtown, and I'm shocked from the last time I was there just how beat down the downtown is what i thought i, I saw that m&m super bowl commercial it looked so good it looked a little glamorous what happened uh did you guys stay down jt you stayed downtown and i did and, it's like escape from la down there what is going on i don't know it's like the city the world forgot about comerica park is beautiful and fort field is beautiful and once no- you get inside and nothing else around it i mean the, i i'm I stayed at the Westin. It was a nice hotel. Very great. Nothing around it at all, really. Nope. I, I, wow. I don't know, man. Like, I stayed it's down. how I remember it the last time we were there. No. Exactly I, I how thought I remember it. Was, it. I thought it was Just worse. terrible. I thought it was worse, man. I, man, I, I remember leaving there the last time we were there thinking, this place, I, it, it's, it's really bad. I mean, wow. it's like a third world country downtown. It's Jeez. It's depressing. I feel like it's deader. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a weird deal. Like I, I've, I've looked at it. My neighbor happens to be from Detroit, so we talk about this all the time. It's like the weird deal. It's like uh, the idea of, okay, there's a million problems in Detroit for sure. They even went bankrupt to boot. But the overall problem of like people moving to the suburbs and leaving the city, it's like the worst possible example of that on earth. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because here's the thing. Like, um, I'm trying to find the numbers right now. Like, the big thing is Detroit's population has shrunk like unbelievable. 
I'm reading it right now. It says they used to have 1.8 million people, and now they're down to 713,000. So wow. Like really? Yeah. Less than half of what they had. But meanwhile, like the whatever, like the Detroit metro area mm-hmm. is like 5 million or something. And apparently, like the suburbs, an hour away, half hour away, are like some of the richest, nicest in the country. But the city is horrible. Like, yeah. Weird yeah. situation. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't even feel like it was dangerous because there was nobody there. Like, it wasn't even criminals around. There was <laughs> yeah. no people. No, it, I thought I was like, I am a legend. I thought I was looking yeah. for Will Smith and his dog. It, it was, uh, and like, there was a Quiznos across the street from the hotel and it was a closed down. It looked like it had been closed down for a decade. The sign was all faded and everything. I mean, how do you. How does a Quiznos close down? I mean, you know, it's like a good restaurant, good sub sandwiches. I don't, I don't understand. It's very, uh, very depressing down there. But they are going back. They announced it uh, during the race. I don't know if you guys caught that, but uh, oh yeah, yeah, they're going back next year. They already had tickets on sale, or they're coming up for sale. And um, uh, the the crowd itself, JT, pretty good. It seemed all right. I think the, I don't think it holds all that many. And then the the complete upper deck all the way around the stadium was completely empty. So I don't know what their final numbers were or actually an actual real number, realistic number, but I'm, no, I bet no, it's no. not that high. No, I saw the press release. There's 64,000 people. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> realistic. No, I, I don't know what the number is, but whatever it is, it's higher than the people that are there. Um, it, it uh, I thought it was okay. We the turnout. I don't know. I thought I it, think was... it was better than uh, the turnout. I thought it was terrible. The previous times they were there, it was like, Especially jarring, because remember how big Pontiac was? Yeah. yeah. Pontiac crowd used to be. Pontiac had a big crowd before having big crowds was cool. You know? Yeah. In yeah. the 90s, when Supercross wasn't drawing 40 every week, it seemed like Pontiac was doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, but if you, look at, if you look at where the stadium is, if you're an hour or two away, it's a tough sell to drive. Take your family down there. For, totally. for me, it would be. You're going to take That's your family into that environment and walk around the streets in the, in the, you know, after the race at 1130 at night. I don't think that I would do that, if, nah. especially if you can watch it on TV. I, I just don't. There's, I don't think I would. Parking garage versus Pontiac. Pontiac is pretty safe. You know, it's in the suburbs. It had a safer feel. Like the hotels were decent. There's restaurants. You know, it's a completely different environment. So I, I think know. that plays into it. I don't know if I totally agree with that. There's parking garages connected everywhere to the Ford Field. You no, but if people don't know that, like the bottom line is, but, no one was afraid of going to Pontiac, Michigan. But whether it's true or not true, people just figure uh, Detroit's probably sketch. I I'm think not going to go. I think if you live there, you're familiar with what goes on at Ford Field, where you could park. Well, that's what? why the the Tigers and the Lions. Well, it's not the circus here, Feld. It's the, the two sports teams. They have no problems drawing fans because I think if you're local, if you live within an hour of Detroit, you probably know. Oh, that area is fine. But Supercross draws people from. Oh, I see. What well, you're our, right. everyone I know from Morgantown drives to this. They don't know Detroit, and oh, that particular block is okay. They just figured Detroit's sketch. I'm not going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it was. Uh, I thought the attendance was okay, and the uh, downtown area was unbelievably, amazingly empty. Um, yeah, but uh, the track, man, JT, that track blew chunks. It was pretty bad. Um, I thought the design was pretty simple a mm-hmm. little bit basic or a lot basic but it deteriorated significantly i mean the main event the track was uh like baghdad out there yeah uh it was it was really bad i i felt bad for the guys in the main event because i knew they were all pushing pretty hard and it, mm-hmm. the track was really dangerous and really easy to have a big crash on so yeah i don't think there was anything they could do about it the, you you know you build the track out of the dirt you have but 
It didn't look like a lot of fun, I can tell you that. Ah, everyone was doing the same thing. There wasn't much going on out there. It was uh, You really had to depend on somebody making a pretty big mistake. Shorty found some ways to pass, but, uh, um, yeah, I just I, – Weege, I didn't like it. I just thought it was pretty bland, pretty bland you know, not, 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 not that challenging. Yeah, completely. Absolutely. There's just, I mean, the best part was when we decided on the pre-race podcast to figure out where would you actually pass. And when you can't even put a, a spot yeah. together. Yeah. That, well, my, my big yeah. thing about uh, go inside and single or outside double after the start straight, after you cross the start straight, they just all were going inside and then doubling. So, like, yeah, there goes that. You know what I mean? Um, just uh, – Man, just uh, nothing going on out there. And then people were thinking it was going to be a, a little bit like Indy with the soft dirt. And I don't know. I guess they got in earlier. This thing was dry and hard packed, JT. Slippery. Yeah, it was It was completely different than Indy in that aspect. Um, and really, the only the only passing that I saw was a lot of contact. I mean, whether it was Josh Hill or, or Shorty or, uh, you know, Dino on Alessi or, you know, Barsha hitting everyone. I mean, it was... There was a lot of rough riding last night, and I think the track forced guys to do it. But still, I mean, that's that's the most aggressive riding I've seen, you know, by everyone all mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk a little, little bit about the race. Uh, well, let's talk a lot about the race. Stewie, uh, it rained yellow. Weege, he he had a sketchy practice, which he admitted to me after the race. It was, and they made some changes, and he grabbed the lead early from Cole Sealy, and then. RV was sort of getting held up by Cole Seeley. And I'm like, well, if RV has any chance of this, he needs to get by Seeley right away. And he ended up doing that. And he was 1.3 back, I believe, when he got into second. And Stu, Stu just rode away from him. I think it was about at six seconds at the, at the, at the biggest point. He rode great. Yeah, and it wasn't a great one for, for Villapoto, I think, which we'll get to because Dungy was staying close. So which, which one was it? Was it just Stu being on? Was it Villapoto not? Maybe quite being as as, as racy as you'd expect, but uh, it is weird. I think with Stewart, we were all oh, he had three bad races points wise and everything, so we kind of counted him out. But he didn't have any injuries, so I guess hey, the same guy that won two in a row four weeks ago is essentially still racing. So maybe it shouldn't have been so surprising. Like halfway through the race, I'm like, huh? Why? No wonder why none of us thought that this could happen easily. He was riding well enough. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, stupid stuff was happening. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, do you put, Weege, do you put some of his, um, you know, he made a mistake at, 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 uh, Atlanta and then he got caught in the first turn in Indy. It really wasn't his fault. And then of course his header, he, he hit his header pipe on unless he's down handlebar. Like I, on one side, like you can say, oh, you know, James is putting himself in those spots because he didn't get a good start at Indy or he was whatever, where he was when he went down and then. Same thing in the you know at Daytona he's probably like eighth or ninth, and then in uh, Atlanta it was his mistake uh, while chasing Alessi in early in the main event. Are you one of those guys? And I, I hear these people on Twitter. Wow, he shouldn't have been way back there in the start, or not way back, but he you know this is what happens when you're back in the start. Or do you do you really chalk it up to kind of some bad luck? The start thing is ridiculous because when he fell in Atlanta he was in second, and. Alessi almost had the whole shot. He didn't get a mid-pack start. What, what was James probably going in or out of the first turn? Fourth, fifth? Mm-hmm. I mean, one twelfth. Uh, so, okay, Indy, he had a bad start. So, one out of the three races, he lived, it's not like he's starting 15th every week. Um, 
No, I don't put it to that, but I do say there, it just when you have this much data on a guy, like there's just got to be something to it besides luck. Why does this stuff happen to him a lot? How was Ricky Carmichael able to avoid that? Did that stuff ever, ever, ever happen? Did he ever get his header pipe dented from a handlebar? No. No, and another thing, too, is Ricky ate crap sometimes really hard, and he still got up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, what is it? Like, what? Can you really just chalk it up to luck when you've got, like, 10 years of data saying stuff like this just seems to happen? Weirdo yeah. first-turn crashes and washouts, and then it leads to more trouble. And, and, again, I even go back to the hole he's in is just because of Anaheim 1. I mean, that's what makes all these things so drastic. If he had won Anaheim 1 these things wouldn't look, look nearly as bad, but he gave up 22 points or something right there. Mm-hmm. So, and that was him crashing all by himself. So it, then it puts the microscope on all the other things because he has no room for error. I don't know what it is, but I can't imagine. How can you just say it's luck? We've got too much data on, say, him and Villapoto. This stuff doesn't happen to Villapoto. This stuff does happen to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but I try not to believe completely and just, yeah. you know, one guy has a four-leaf clover and the other guy doesn't. That seems bizarre to me. A lot, of, a lot of things like this, um, even Villapoto, some of Villapoto's injuries, make you appreciate Carmichael more because two perfect seasons, right? And I personally saw him eat crap five or six times that I never thought he would get up from or that he, you know, he broke something. The dude got up every time. And, again, so you're just like, wow, like all the things that could happen, plus Ricky's tendency to go wide open and crash – just you just go wow wow like like there's something to that there's something to RC's ability to just make it work make it happen. Well, like, here's an example. So as we'll probably talk about here, I was doing something different this weekend. I was down in the starting gate all night doing a story for the magazine, and, and Burner's down there a lot. So I talked to Burner a lot throughout the night about what guys are looking for in the gate and, and starts and stuff. So Villapoto takes his typical suicide inside gate, which we've talked about quite a bit. Ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah, no, you're not a fan. And Burner's like, yeah, but it's safe. Like, the tough blocks aren't moving over in this one. Like, it's a straight, you know, sometimes they taper to the outside. Yeah. Here was a straight shot. And he's yeah. like, he's not worried about getting the whole shot. He doesn't need to get the whole shot. He can start third or fifth, and his race will be fine. He's on the inside just to make sure complete disaster cannot happen. Because you're not going to have five guys pile into you on the inside. Of right. The first turn. Right. And, you know, maybe there's something to that. Lopoto is able to say, I don't need to go for the whole shot. I just need to make sure I get fifth and the first turn, and there's no chance that I tangle with anybody. And maybe it's things like that. Maybe there's, mm-hmm. again, more to it. Yeah, maybe. Anyways, JT, he rode great. Uh, he stalled it. I didn't realize that. But uh, he stalled it out there at one point. James did. Yeah, I, I was watching the main event once I got home today, and um... – you know, they obviously show much more close-up footage than we can see from the press box. And watching James versus watching Villapoto last night, they were completely different. Um, Villapoto looked like he was pushing as hard as he possibly could. He's blowing out burns and, and just super aggressive. And he looks like he's setting the world on fire. And then they go to James, and James is setting a faster lap time, and he really doesn't look like he's trying that hard. He's super smooth, carrying his speed. He's not really gassing it too much, you know, in, in the wrong spots. He's just kind of flowing around. And, man, it, it just was a completely uh, polar opposite in riding style. And, and, obviously, James, you know, was 
on his game last night. He just uh, yeah. he had those guys covered. I was very, very impressed watching him on TV last night. Wow. You know, once they got home today. RV just doesn't. The slick stuff, his riding style, steer at the rear, grab a bunch of throttle, doesn't work as well on that slick stuff. Yeah. And look at look yeah. at San Diego, look at Dallas. You know, Right, guys. right. And that, that's what I was kind of um, thinking about today and I wanted to bring up was we, we obviously have seen a pattern now where whether James wins or not on the slippery stuff, Ryan definitely doesn't feel as good. He doesn't seem like he's willing to put it all on the, on the, on the line. You know, we saw him uncharacteristically struggle, uh, um, would have been Anaheim three and the same kind of situation at Dallas. And then obviously last night where if the conditions aren't right for him, not that he's not trying, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I know he's trying, Yeah. But it's a different Ryan Bill Poto than we see at other rounds. Right. Just not not that same guy. So uh, I think if, if these guys could pay off their works to make a sketchy track like that every weekend, they might have they might have a chance of stopping this, this title streak. Uh, Weege, did you talk to him after the race, RV? No, uh, they were out of their. I've never seen dudes get out of that podium area so quickly. I think it was the cold. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I heard that he even blew off the Jim Holly interview, and then I saw one got posted. And I was like, but I thought he blew this off, so I watched. You guys have to watch it. It's awesome. Holly asks him a question. Villapoto answers it as quickly as possible. And then Holly says, you were fast all day, and Villapoto just gasps it and says thanks and rides away. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I apparently wasn't happy. So that's where I'm just coming up with, obviously, Stewart rode awesome. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Stewart is an amazing rider. He'll always be one of the most talented, amazing riders ever. When he wins, he earns it. But at the same time, it definitely... I can't imagine Villapoto pulled in and is like, hey, I got second place points. I made up some room on Dungey. Like, I don't think he's happy about mm-hmm. He got outclassed. There's no doubt about it. Stewart had it. Put it to him. So, um, Stewie ties RC in career Supercross wins. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at something from the – before the 2013 season. So, how many races did James do last year? All of them? Did he make all of them? No. Uh, let's see here. Super I don't cool. think he really did miss. At the end of the year, he missed, like, the last two, I think. Uh, outdoors or Supercross? Both. Yeah. Okay, so. But I think through all the ACL stuff, he was still racing every week, wasn't he? If he missed, say, he might have the exact same number of races as Ricky Carmichael. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Ricky had 115 races. Stu had 88 at the beginning, you know, 88 at the end of 12. So 13 and 14. We're 10, we're 10 rounds down now, right? 11 rounds. So that gives him 99. And if he, raced, if he raced 14 races, that would give him 113 to, to Ricky's 115. It's really close anyways. Kind of funny how that works out. Yeah. So tied with tied with RC and wins and pretty much same exact same amount of races. Yep. So interesting. Uh, I would have bet 2006, 2007. I would have bet a lot of money that James would be close to MC. Wouldn't you, Weege? Yeah, when he was first throwing the the 72 thing out there, uh, I mean it wasn't ridiculous. No. I mean no. I was just watching. I mean, he won. I think he went twenty-three out of his first thirty, or something like that. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And remember how long the he wins every time he doesn't crash. Yeah, streak that, had gone was, on. Like 
four years That's or why something. It always gets us, we always get in trouble if we say too much good about James, but this is the stuff we're talking about. Like, you cannot pretend that that stuff did not happen. Those are ridiculous numbers. <laughs> yeah, no. He's a good rider. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, huh, JT? He got uh, almost the same amount of races. Yes. Yeah. I would have definitely have said he would have set that sooner. So. Well, certainly after the 07 season. Um, yeah, I, I, I would have bought into that big yeah. time. Um, um, now, I was tweeting for Racer X last night, and I could not believe that Ryan Dungey was not doing that section coming down off the peristyle, tripling over uh, on, off, three into the turn. And he just wasn't doing it. And I timed it three, four times. I'm going to do it again on TV if I can. And it was always four tenths to six tenths faster. From the from the time you hit the first jump to the time you hit the third jump uh, at the end of the straightaway. But Weed, you talked to him, and he said that on their ghosting program, it looked quicker. But I don't understand that. I, I Maybe I had a bad trigger finger. I don't get it. But it looked like that was hurting him so bad. I don't – No, I, I always with Dungey. I got to listen to it a couple times to understand exactly what he was – Trying to explain. Uh, <laughs> he did win the Golden Mike Award, so I don't understand yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually don't want to make fun. I don't want to make fun. Came over. He was in the Astros truck for a while getting some cold medicine or something like that, or allergy medicine, he said. I don't want people to think he's hiding an injury. <laughs> so it took him a while to get over there. And when he did, he was in a really good mood, and he was real talking to me, and he gave more information than he usually does. So I don't want to bag on the dude. He stuck around an extra half hour to talk to us idiots. But, um, again, his explanation was a little weird. I think what he meant was there was a way – he and Kenny were each trying in a couple different ways in practice so they could use that ghost darkfish program. Yeah. And there was a way that Kenny did it that was unbelievably faster, and it was some sort of wheeling, blitzing, manualing combination. And he said it was faster, but it was really hard to do. So I think what he's saying is he never was able to do it the way he was trying to do it, if that makes sense. Uh, JT, did yeah. you, what did you think? Of, did you notice that? Did you... Yeah, I did, and I think Davos was actually trying to do that as well. That's how Davos crashed in practice. Um, so what, you you, were, you wheelie over that table? Yeah, they were kind of blitzing off that little starter bump thing. Yeah. Like they would blitz through the jump onto the tabletop, you know, step on, step off, step on, step off. Oh, they would, um, they would take off from the small little bump before the main jump. Yeah, well, they were just kind of... Uh, basically blitz through the takeoff you know they would hit it but it would almost be like um like they would compress through it you know and so it, it would avoid going to that right side where they would all jump and then slow yeah. down and then wheelie and jump over like there was it gave them a different line and they could kind of blitz through there and i think that's how Davos crashes he just kind of blitz through an endo but i, I lo- think that's what they were trying to do i look forward to reading this in breakdown uh, i don't think it's going to be a breakdown but why? I could maybe do a personal breakdown for you. <laughs> if you could, that'd be great. Yeah, um, it, it was costing him time. I don't, I don't understand. Like, yeah, I mean, everybody, you know, Michael Lessie, guys that are not as good as Supercross riders as Ryan Dungey were, were seemingly able to handle the fast way every lap with no problems, and it was just costing him. And I'm like, what are you doing, Dunge? Like, if you, you, he's matching Ryan Villapoto everywhere, if not better, except for that section. So. Yeah, that, that's the line that Shorty was taking too, and I know they were very happy about this line in the truck after the race. That it was consistent. Happy. Yeah, Sparsha was screwing up that other line, the jump over, triple on, step off, triple. Sparsha kept screwing it up and kept screwing it up, and Shorty was 
going to the left and doing his step-on-step-off line and, you know, over a six- or seven-lap span where they were battling, Shorty consistently pulled away there because Barsha couldn't keep it, uh, you know, consistent. Yeah, but, okay, James Stewart, Ryan Villapoto, um, you know, a lot of guys were able to do it consistent. So, right, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying in that isolated case where right. Shorty made, I think Shorty felt he couldn't get it consistent, so mm-hmm. he went for the line he could do consistently, and it worked out in his favor. But obviously, Ryan Villapoto was doing it right, mm-hmm. so it's a different scenario. But uh, Yeah, it was weird, bizarre. Um, I'm definitely going to have to watch it again and see what was going on. Was made... Nunji running on the left side yeah. like everybody else was on yeah. the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doing the same thing as Shorty. Yeah, so. yeah. It was like there was a master plan, but they weren't quite able to, I guess, execute it. Uh, and Kenny Roxon with the bad luck, uh, Rock and his brake caliper. Well, that that pretty much does him in um, for the title. Knocks him back. He is now actually he's. Uh, I just pulled the points up here. He's fourth now. I don't know if you guys knew that. James passed him. So yeah. that is uh, two out of the last three weeks that Kenny has uh, scored one point. Bummer deal. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So with that rock thing, I was literally yelling in the press box, and I don't know if you could hear me, but I was yelling at him to roll his motorcycle backwards. Backwards, right? Yeah, <laughs> and and I'm just and my VIPs are looking at me like, why are you yelling? But it was so frustrating to me because I've had that happen before. Yeah, and literally all you have to do is roll it backwards, and you're good. Yeah, he, like it's a two second fix. I know, and then he was kicking it without like, right. without moving the rear wheel, just kicking it. Um, I, I don't, right. I, yeah, I was weird. Um. But yeah, bummer, bummer deal for Kenny for sure. So, guess guess uh, guess who's in second, guys? Guess who is probably Ryan or Ryan Villapoto's number one guy for the uh, for the title? Just uh, just throw that out there, Weege. Who do you think's in second now? Not Barsha. Nope, and not Stewart with three wins, and not Kenny, the rookie sensation, and not Barsha, who some guys picked the challenge, and not Chad Reed, who's hurt. Nope. Is it the seven deuce deuce? It is not the seven deuce deuce. Ryan Dungey, folks. There he is. Uh man, and again, like you hate to do the you hate to do the uh the what ifs, but give him twenty points, give him a third place at that one race where his clutch broke and he's ten back of R V. So just Dunge does what Dunge does, doesn't he, Weege? It is so similar to other years. I mean, we could probably track two thousand eleven, say it's just yeah. so similar. One win. But apparently, if even with a few less wins, he's got two less wins in Villapoto, two less wins in Stewart. But if you work out the rest of the races, hit that DNF out, he must have been exactly the same. Or yep. like yep. week to week. Yep. Crazy. But we, this argument happens every year, and I think we always say, like, hey, though, like he's still only won one out of, what, 11 races? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the opportunity is still right there. You know, he, he could yeah. have got Filippoto, and he didn't get him last night. I think he might have been riding better than him, but he yeah. couldn't get him. That adds up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, JT, Andrew Short, uh, BTO Sports KTM, Andrew Short. Great race. Yeah, he wrote, Great he wrote race. Awesome. Why do you um, think, why? Why? I mean, got a good start. It's third gear, third gear start. Did him well. Um, what What do you think was his deal? Just uh, Was it a track maybe that, you know, if you if you just rode twenty consistent laps, you could do great in, and and he got the start. Is that maybe the formula? Yeah, I think I, I think you're onto something there. I think uh, Andrew's very good at hitting his marks, so to speak. You know, he can do the same lap over and over and over, and the track was deteriorating, and he wasn't making mistakes. Uh, he put himself in a good position in the beginning. 
Um, he did a great job of kind of weathering the storm with Barsha. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think he's a veteran and he's really smart. He knows how to, he knows how to do well in, in that you know, situation where you have to protect your line because everyone's driving dirty. You have to not make mistakes and you just have to put in consistent laps. You know, um, if you do a, if, if you did a, a 57, a 57 and a 59, you know, uh, half a second off that each, you know, you're going to come out ahead. And I think that's kind of his approach is don't do anything crazy. Just put in the same laps and, and over 20 laps, you're going to be, you're going to be good. Seely was not happy with him, but I don't know. I mean, you got caught. Cole got caught. He went high in the berm, and I thought that was. I mean, Dean did the he did the same thing to get by Dean, and Dean realized it and grabbed the brakes. You know, I didn't see it's aggressive racing for sure, but I didn't see anything dirty from that shorty move. JT, what what did you? I, I didn't. I felt, and we we had this discussion uh, in in the truck, and I had it with Chad, and I had it with Burner, and you have to feel that presence there, just like Dean did. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, that's part of racing is you, you know, where the people are around you and you feel the guy coming up your inside and you counter it and you either surrender the line or you cut back under or whatever. Yeah. For whatever reason, he caught Sealy by surprise there. And, and I'm not blaming Sealy by any means, No, no, but, no, but I do think you have to be aware there. I do. I don't think Sealy saying he took my front wheel out. I mean, I don't think that's well, exactly, you know what? Shorty just kind of went up the inside and, and if you looked at it and you didn't know what you were talking about, you could say that Sealy turned into him. You know that. Yeah. yeah. Shorty definitely put himself there for a reason, yeah. but I, I just think that Sealy had no idea he was there, and that you know he has to take a little bit of blame for that. Great ride for Shorty, though. Man. Good ride. Pumped to see that. Um, that short Barsha tickle battle was intense, Weege. Intense. Actually, uh, actually, a lot of them. Um... I mean, there were probably, at one point, Hill was in there, uh, Wilson was up there early, and then Seeley was involved. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was pretty awesome. I don't know if this is one of these byproducts of the track not allowing them to do anything. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think it's an easy yeah, track. but you it's had six a, yeah. or seven guys at right. one point in, like, a freight train. It was, it was, and uh, I guess Short, eventually, you know, he made the right kind of veteran moves to be at the top of that pack. But there were different times you're like, okay, this is the best guy to that group. Oh, this is the best guy to that group. Oh, look at Tickle. Oh, look at Barsha. Oh, yeah. look at Short. Oh, look at Wilson. Uh, it was good to watch, I thought. Um, Weed, so I don't know I don't know if I'm allowed in or not, but can you let me know when the next Dean Wilson fan club meeting is? You and JT will be attending? You are definitely not allowed to answer that at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you're out. Well, you're out. We, yeah. we had a, quite a spirited discussion last week about this, um, and I – you know, I wrote 700 words on why I think no one should sleep on Dean Wilson earlier this year when he moves to the big bikes. I feel like people have been. I'm there with you guys. I'm not – I was not nowhere near as pumped as you two jerkies. JT, you refused to grade it on a 15, 1 to 15 scale. But uh, – I gave it a 14.9. <laughs> There's no basis for this 15 scale. So, uh, Weege, how's things going with that fan club meetings and stuff? Is everything good? Still oh, up. yeah, just get rid of the arm pump. Got to be winning main events. <laughs> okay, all right. I feel like the dues have come down. It's a, it's a little bit less exclusive of a club. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're open to new members. I mean, uh, Daytona? You... I, I'm still there. I'm still, you know, I'll be, I'll be at the, the weekly meeting. Right. I mean, Daytona, I, you know, it's faster, it's rougher, it's choppy. You get that. This was as Supercross as Supercross gets, and this was worse. Um, and, and and I'm sure it was just arm pump again, huh, JT? I mean, do we know? Did, did, yeah, that's the uh, I mean, you know that's the verdict I got. 
Well, I, yeah, same here. Yeah, so this is not good. I mean, it's not good. It, it's it, I don't understand it. I, I think he's got to start looking at what he's doing during the week with Ryan Hughes, exercise-wise or supplement-wise or something, right? I mean, or maybe it's a little bit mental. JT, we touched on this on the on the pulp show last week, but um, it, it's that's that's really bad. It's pretty rough. Um, you know, I watched it again today just to kind of analyze it a bit, and he was really, really good for ten laps. Um, he actually wasn't far off of Villapoto and Dungey at all at the ten lap mark. He was actually all over Sealy for fourth, and then the wheels just absolutely come off. I mean, it, it goes really, really bad in a hurry. I mean, he's he can't get out of the way for people fast enough. And I don't know. I, I don't really have the answer. You know, I, I for me, arm pump wasn't something that I got in the middle of a race. I either got it right away in a race, or I didn't get it at all. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not really familiar with this. You know, halfway through the race or 15 laps into a race, you just pump up. Like I don't know that, especially when you're not winning or you're not in a super high pressure situation. You know, he was kind of in the pack there, right? And he should have been able to just keep putting laps down. He didn't have a ton of pressure on him. He was actually gaining on Sealy, which should have put him at ease a bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't really have the answer, and I, I don't think anybody does have the answer. Or they would be fixing it. Well, I was shocked to hear it was arm pumping Daytona for that reason. I was like, okay, it's a longer race. It's a bigger bike. It's a rougher track. 15 laps in, he got tired. Then when I heard his arm pump, I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Exactly. Like, the arm pump kicks in now? Like, how about the getting tired kicking in? But now it seems undeniable because, yeah, I mean, to go, there's no way he was super fast and strong and not tired in, at lap nine. And then lap 10, he suddenly got tired. Like, that's clearly arm pump. And we got a lot of evidence because he had it quite a bit uh, already this year in the 250s. Um, and it is night and day, the reaction to it, because I feel like at Daytona, myself and many others would be like, oh, you take that, he'll fix that little problem, and then he's got the speed. But now it's like, oh, this is atrocious. He can only do 10 laps, and then he just, I'm watching right now, this is terrible. Like, he literally is, he looks like a lapper right now. <laughs> um, uh, but if you and, but if you were starting a team tomorrow, Weege, he'd be right there for you to hire, apparently. We can work with speed. <laughs> I should never have told you that. <laughs> I should, the I should only, never the one have told thing I you that. Is it, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Go ahead what? I wasn't going to say Oh, that. I was going to say the one thing to me that's encouraging is arm pump is obviously a big part of the sport. But I feel like besides maybe Robbie Raynard, who had a million other injury <laughs> and other problems, you know, that just sapping his potential, I, I feel like you can't think of a guy who has had a long term like, yep, his whole career is just always played by arm pump. Like, at this level, it seems like guys will eventually get it straightened out. Like, yeah. you're not fit, you're not in shape, you don't work hard. Those are things that follow you your whole life. But well, is Dean really going to have arm pump for the next five years on lap 10 of every Supercross race? I just find that hard to believe. <laughs> JT, did you have a chance to talk to his team owner at all? I did. I did and, quite and, a bit. And, uh, and how was he feeling? Uh, he's, he's usually, not, not real happy. He's usually one yeah. to sugarcoat things, no doubt. Well, Very gentle hand. You know, what we talked about it, and I don't want to get myself in trouble, but I don't really think he knew what to say either. You know, it's kind of like how to go, and, and he's like, you know, what do you say? Uh, are you um, are you with me in thinking that something he's doing during the week, supplements, training, uh, weightlifting, something has to change? I, I do. I do, and, and there's been a talk about that as well. And I know 
Rhino's workouts seem to be very strength-oriented, and I haven't ever been involved in a Rhino workout, but from what I've seen on the outside, they seem like, you know, I, and I think Dean is a very strong kid. I, I think Rhino has him very strong, but mm-hmm. I don't so, necessarily I mean, know if that's the best uh, recipe to to do 20 laps as fast as you can go. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know. I'm not a trainer. I don't pretend to be. The, but I do know whatever is going on right now is not working. So The first two races of the year on the 250 were pretty bad, arm pump-wise. Um, then now we've seen, we've seen two 450 races that – have been pretty bad arm pump wise, and never mind. I mean, he did. He's won two, right? Did he win two two fifties? Yeah, or just one? He won two. Um, one I can't remember. Yeah. Oakland, he should have won, and he won the next one. Did he win two in a row and then have the San Diego? <laughs> yeah. Any, anyways, like, there's no doubt he's got an issue, and it is arm pump, and like, it, arm pump of epic proportions. I mean, we've seen guys get arm pump before, and you know they back it down and lose a couple spots or something. But Dean is, I mean, he is unable to hold on to the motorcycle. So, yeah, he's got to figure it out. Uh, but I'm with, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, hey, you guys are there. You're, you're, you're on, I like to see the devotion. I'm more of a show me guy, I guess. What can I say? I'm more of a show you're me. You're like Missouri. Yeah, show me. Um, uh, Barsha had a decent night. Uh, he got a bad start because you know why? You know why he got a bad start? Uh, he, his clutch delivery over the starting gate wasn't precise enough, didn't get enough traction, and everyone around him was better. Because that inside gate, he went right next to Villapoto and gave himself no room to do anything, and that was it. He was jacked. Oh, okay. Uh, but he still rode all right, get a fifth. Tickle rode good again. Um, where I don't, I'm going to look up the sheets. Do you guys know where Tickle started? I don't think he started that well. No, he was, I was looking at that. Versus Wilson, uh, I know he was yeah, he about came, 10th or so, he, I he think. He came across the line in the 11th, first lap. Yeah. So he's probably further back than that, even. Um, Weston Pike, he's back, JT. Seventh place. Good ride. Yeah, I don't think he's really gone away. He's just had some rough rides. It's, yeah, no, it's I, kinda I, been, I just meant Well, it's kind of been like that all year. It's either feast or famine for him. You know, it's either five through eight or DNS. I was so. watching him for a few laps. He is so aggressive. It just fits his personality. We make jokes about him, you know, being a football player, being a nihilist, uh, not caring. But you watch him, man. He's just aggressive. Like, he's hitting your back tire. He's cutting in underneath you. He's trying to rail around you. In corners that there's no chance to pass, he still just lets you know that he's right there. You know what I mean? Like, he's exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, he's. He's not intimidated by anyone. No, you know, I think that's one of his biggest strengths. So I think if he's behind, uh, you know, James Stewart or if he's behind Adam Intiknap, I don't think he cares. He's trying to make the move and he's trying to get around them the same exact way. Uh, that's a, um, and that's pretty rare, I think. Not many guys can do that. No, no. It, uh, you can just see him. I can just picture him in his helmet just so angry and just gritting his teeth going, Argh! you know what I mean? Like, he just, uh, yeah, it was fun to watch the guy for a few laps last night. He definitely rides with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, he does. He absolutely does. And he's just like, get out of the way, 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 if he's on you. You know what I mean? Like every, yeah. like I said, in corners, there's no chance to do anything. He's still like, bang, 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 on your back tire. You know what I mean? Well, that's, like, how, he is. that's how he is when he's walking through the mall. That's <laughs> how he is when he's driving a car. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah, never ended. I got a little, uh, since I was down there in the podium and starting area the whole night, 
like it's so hard to even tell what who's in what position in the races, and, and that's not really what I was even watching at times. Yeah, I, I, by the way, I, I, th- I think your idea was dumb and it was stupid, and you were missed in the press box. But anyways, yeah, I know. That basically, you want me to go to the races just for your companionship. I understand. Um, but I knew he did not make uh, the top five out of the semi because as I was walking back, I just hear him pull. I just hear. I just hear cursing and yelling and screaming. <laughs> and I look over and it, it's Pike and just yelling and his mechanics like trying to decide like, do you want to go back to the pitch or do you just want to go straight back to the gate to the LCQ? And he's just, it just sounds like Hulk turning green. <laughs> just hearing, rawr, rawr, rawr. I don't know what happened if he got cut off or what, but yeah, he was pissed. Yeah, not happy. The LC- he's got to be in pretty good shape to have all that anger all night long and ride that aggressively all night long and <laughs> yeah. still do the twenty laps like. He's expending a lot of energy. He's a nihilist. Just doesn't care. He doesn't care about expending energy. Um, he doesn't believe in getting tired. No. Hill rode good too. Uh, Brayton was off a little bit. Um, JB not that pumped. Uh, Grant was tenth. Grant was actually. Um, I closed my window here, but Grant. They were actually on the opposite ends, and I think I'm gonna. Uh, Grant Grant was ninth. And JB was fourteenth only. Okay, so they met about halfway in the race. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but the. One JGR guy caught the other JGR guy. So, but that I thought, happened in Daytona too. I thought Grant was further up there, but ninth only. Um, yeah. I feel like Grant, like, I don't know if he's still got a shoulder injury or whatever, but he's definitely he's like the last the last uh since he's, since he's come back, he's gone uh twelve twelve points, nine points, eleven points, eleven points. So that's like uh help me out. Math John. nine eight twelve yeah. ten ten right nine twelve ten ten, um, you feel like you see flash out of Josh Grant and then you see smash out of Josh Grant, but like he's just maybe trying to be consistent a little bit. He's he's a little bit JT fading into the background a bit with his consistent rides, which has probably never really been said before about Josh Grant. Well, I don't know if that's good or bad. I feel like Josh Grant has always gotten paid well and hired on great teams because his ability to go very, very fast. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen that lately. So I don't know if he doesn't, you know, if he's sick of going to the hospital and he's just like, I'm just going to finish where I can finish. I'm going to ride as hard as I can, but I'm not doing anything crazy. I I don't know. But it's definitely not the Josh Grant that excites teams and, hey, we got to have that guy. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be a good move for him or not, but definitely looks different than the normal Josh Grant we see out there. Yeah, no, for sure. I talked to him a little bit in Daytona, and he, he said as far as the, the shoulders a lot better than it was, you know, taking those few weeks off was good. And good that they had a nice uh, fill-in. They had a spot, you know. They didn't, you know, they could give him a few weeks off, spell mm-hmm. him, get mm-hmm. him back in there. Um, so great move by the team. But uh, you feel like maybe he's in danger of getting benched at all with these rides? I don't think, I don't think so. Okay, I'm just throwing it no, out there. You tell me. I don't you think. Tell me. I don't think the the person coming off the bench has really panned out the way they were hoping. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to be the one that said it. I didn't want to say it. People were talking about benchings earlier this year. Yes, benchings and Barsha, people were talking about. And Baggett. Benching, Barsha, and Baggett. <laughs> they were. Yeah, they were. He told me that I think um, the main events, I think he knows he doesn't have 20 laps in that shoulder in him mm-hmm. so he's just putting in laps and then by a byproduct of that that's exactly where you end up right a consistent tenth yeah you're just putting in your whatever i'm gonna do 59s every lap i can't do 57s i'll kill myself so he's almost accidentally i think become consistent because he doesn't have a choice 
You know, what will I, that change? Like, will after, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. Five weeks of that, will he get it back? I don't know. Classy job by uh, Feld, by the way, to put Nick Way in the opening ceremonies. Tip of the hat to Dave Prater and folks. I like that. You don't know. It could be Nick Way's last Detroit Supercross. You know? Um, I thought that was cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just like when they put him in, uh, they let him do the hot lap in, in 04 when we were there. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah, in Pontiac. Yep. Um, when he was on Factory Suzuki. I, yeah, definitely a cool move. You know, and they were very cool about helping out RCH's home sponsor with Soaring Eagle, and I could see them making real efforts to uh, help well, local racers and, and their sponsors, et cetera. So well, that's Soaring, good to see. We, the sport needs that stuff. Soaring Eagle was an official sponsor of the race. Right, right. Yeah. I, I know. I'm just kind they, of they it's paid, all paid, ties in together. You they know, whether paid, they were or not, I still think that, you know, no. they had hell and tickle in opening ceremonies. Um, I don't know. I just I got that feeling that they're – they're proactive in making sure that people are getting taken care of that, Hull, you know, Hill, Hill was in opening ceremonies? Yep. Oh, okay. Well, knock me down then. Look at Feld. Um, BTOsports.com, the nation's leading retailer for uh, bikes and body parts. Uh, anything you need for your bike or body uh, or body parts or whatever. <laughs> if you need a finger, go ahead. Uh, BTOsports.com. I can get you a toe by 2 p.m. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, use the code Pulpomex to save yourself money. The best tire prices around. Go ahead and check those other sites. Go on. Go check. Uh, you won't get them as good as BTOsports.com. Free shipping for international guys over a certain amount of money. And uh, really the the cool coolest, newest stuff out there, BTOsports.com. And, of course, Fox Racing. Uh, what more can you say about Fox Racing? Chad Reed runs the Instinct Boot and the V4 Helmet when he is racing out there, um, which we'll see in the Outdoor Series. Foxhead.com, or shop their casual line. As you as we all know, they make some pretty bitching casual stuff. And a nice backpack. I have one of their backpacks. I highly endorse it. And uh, if you need some suspension work, listen to this race tech uh, commercial here and uh, save yourself some money on suspension work using the code mentioned in this commercial. So you're going to have to listen to it. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Race Tech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Race Tech suspension. And they've been around a long time. And their their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike. And use Race Tech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thie, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back on the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast. Um, can we move to the 250s or should we anything else? Can we talk about Antonap and the LCQ? First of all, first of all, no. Let's talk about Ronnie Stewart. So Ronnie, yeah. Ronnie Stewart, I don't believe, has ever made a main event until three weeks ago. And now he is in three straight. And I watched that guy 
for my column this week, he's a really good starter. And obviously, he's when 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 it counts in the LCQ, he reminds me of a certain rider from Melrose, Florida, who used to dominate the LCQs. He steps up. Uh, Ronnie Stewart, good job by him. Yeah, really good. Uh, Fro, Fro really talked him up on the on the television broadcast, which oh, was cool he? to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then in the main event, he got a he got a solo kind of television coverage deal mm-hmm. uh, sitting on the starting line. So he got a lot of uh, he got a lot of play this weekend. So good for him. Yeah, he he's earned it. I mean, that's cool. I knew in the amateur ranks, he was always known as like a starter and sprinter, like uh, yeah. you know, would mix it up early on. So. You know, I kind of thought, oh, well, he goes to Supercross. That'll maybe serve him well. And obviously it's taken a few years to, to make it all happen. But now I think you can kind of see that. Like, he's got the – I mean, it's per- starter and a sprinter, that's perfect for making these mains. And yeah. He's got it all no. out now. Yeah, uh, good job by him. I always uh, thought he's from Jersey, Weege, but he's from Pennsylvania. Yeah, but I guess it's close. I was talking to his mechanic down there, and they, they blew up the bike at Daytona. I think they talked about this on TV, too. He blew up his motor at Daytona, so they had to get a new bike, and that came from Jersey. So I was, I was pretty proud. So he's Jersey. He's Jersey. Yeah. His bike came from Jersey. The bike was Jersey. Um, Cody Gilmore. Speaking of guys from Jersey, yeah. You know, there was a while with Barsha that I thought like his Bam Bam thing was like it was a reputation, but he had I think he cleaned up his act pretty decent for a little while in the two fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even thought when they were making the opening ceremonies videos that they were probably really scrambling, like they're telling us to make a video about this dude taking dudes out, but we can't even find many, many hits. But this year, I think it's back. <laughs> like, Steve, you'll see this main event. Like, it's almost comical. Like, it's just, he just rides the bike into. They're not even, there's nothing more to it than that. He just rides the bike into dudes. He's got to be frustrated. I, I, uh, I had some serious bonding time with Barsha this weekend. Oh, yeah? I uh, went in the Honda truck, mm-hmm. talking to those guys, hanging out with those guys. Uh, they made me some coffee. Felt like I was cheating oh. on Cowie a little bit. Then uh, a guy named Six Time comes in, and uh, always a good guy, and we start chatting. And then I said, hey, I need to talk to Justin real quickly about uh, a feature in Racer X. And he goes, oh, come with me. And uh, so I go in the other Honda truck, and uh, there's Justin getting changed for the night show. And uh, I we shot the shit for like 25 minutes up there. Oh, yeah. And then I walked, started walking to the press box, and there was Barsha and Schneike, his mechanic, just waiting in the bowels of the stadium. Uh, just chilling on a concrete wall, and I talked to him again. So, how was the tri tip? <laughs> no tri tip. Cooking was bad this weekend. It was a weird. I if there's one shitty thing about this race, it's that that pit setup sucks. That blows. And it was it, real bad. And I mean, it blows for the fans. It blows for the teams and the riders. That's a huge drawback. Uh, there, there were privateers scattered everywhere. It was like something out of Road Warrior, where they were just trying to claim space anywhere they can two different spots for privateers and three different spots for semis like walking across the street going to another parking lot like it's not very good but yeah uh so anyways uh yeah i'll watch i'll watch barsh and see how he can do but um lots of bonding time with him in six time what did you learn did you learn something about bonding time um yeah we talked a lot about that mookie thing like I, 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 but I'm on his side. I'm just like, yeah, dude, you didn't do anything. You you were 100 percent not at fault in my eyes. And he's like, dude, there's, I could, I can't do anything without people just coming down on me. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you're kind of right. I said I tweeted about that, and you know, I got an avalanche of people that thought that you should have been fined um, for what I don't know, you know. And uh, he's like, yeah, I know that's how people are and stuff. And we talked a little bit about his season. You know, it's got to be frustrating for him. And 
I didn't really drop any JGR talk with him. You know, I should have. I did screw up on uh, on the track walk. I uh, I was sitting there with J Bone, and we we're just talking. And Barsha walks by, and he makes a comment about something, and I make a comment about something, and then I'm like, "Hey, we're just talking about your bar bend for next year." Ooh. With with J Bone, and Dan, oh. Dan Bentley like right behind us. <laughs> <laughs> J Bone's like, "Dude, what are you doing? You can't say that." I'm like, "Oh yeah, oops, sorry, oops." I was just making a joke. Loose cannon. I know, huh? <laughs> Chapon thought it was funny, so did Justin. So, um, anyways, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got to be pretty frustrated right now. So, um, oh, the LCQ. Cody Gilmore rode good again to come come from the back a little bit, and Enta Nap was so close. JT, oh, so seven dudes had it. Had, uh, he had the window of opportunity. Staring him in the face, who was and the, who he was, did not. Who was take the it. guy ahead of him? I forget it. Who it was? Augie Lieber. Augie Lieber. Augie yep. Lieber was holding up the seven deuce deuce bad, but you got to make the pass. Yeah, there's. And then Gilmore. Nine. Gilmore comes. Go. Gilmore comes from like four seconds back of those two, and goes right through all of them, cleans out Augie Lieber a little bit, and goes on to take the last spot in the qualifier. I mean, seven deuce deuce has got to grab that. Like he would Gilmore like, Gilmore had that section down, the, the section we were talking about with Dungey. Yeah. He had it dialed and he would just he was just killing him there. Yeah. He passed all of them there. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh he, you gotta go after like, like like you would a subway footlong. You just gotta grab it, you know? So um Yeah, he, uh, Seven Deuce Deuce is getting a lot of a lot of press these days, like with on Twitter anyways, with fans meeting him and taking photos with him and yeah, he's really enjoying this newfound celebrity celebrity-tism. So, now we just got to get him to the main events. That's the next step. We got to get him to the main events. Oh, uh, Wilson's move on Alessi. Uh, at the very last turn. Uh, I didn't see it until... JT, you saw it in the press box. Yeah. And then I saw it on video right now. Yeah, a little dirty. A little dirty, but not, nothing coming out of the AMA on that, huh? From from what I heard, no, I heard they're not going to do anything. But uh, it was definitely uh, I could I could see either way. I could see them. I could have seen them doing something. I could see them going with yeah, whatever. You guys are in thirteenth. Nobody cares. <laughs> you really think that's it though? No, but I could see I could see that happening. You know, it's just like ah, it didn't it didn't affect anything. Yeah, it was pretty stupid, but right. I mean, with Dean, we got, other, we got bigger fish to fry at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit of a dirty move on Dean's fault. No, th- I agree. No doubt about I agree. It. Yeah. I think it was a frustration. Right. Yeah. Door was open. I'm taking it because I'm pissed. I, I'm. You know, I was thing. running third for a while, and now Michael Essie has caught him past me. Yes. And now I will get him back. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm in 13th place. Uh, <laughs> who can I take this out on? <laughs> right. Um. All right. Two fifties. Two fifties. Anybody? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Cincerillo, Bogle, Baggett, top three. Um, dur- first of all, Davalos um, gets sixth with two crashes in the main event, but his practice crash was dirty. Did they show that on TV? Oh yes. Okay, that was dirty. Wow, ugly. Um, props for him racing. He won his heat, and then like the, the main event that that was so Martin Davalos just losing a front end, and then his other crash he was like. All weeble wobble, tipped over. Like, man, that he's now he went from uh, nine seven points down to uh, seventeen now. So, 
looks pretty good for the kid right now. Um, I just that I mean again, you got to give Davalos props, but those that's we those are such Martin Davalos crashes. What he did. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a little bit different than this evening because of that huge practice crash, which, you know. Yeah, but hold on, hold on. He deserves credit, but he won his heat. So clearly he was okay. Mm, I don't necessarily say that. You won a heat race. You won the heat race. I think we have now seen for sure that he could truly win a heat race in his sleep. He raced. He raced. Yes, it is. It's like clockwork. I don't care what condition he's in. His eyes might have been closed. Right. Okay. All right. Fair fair enough. Behind his back, eyes were closed. He was sitting backwards in the motorcycle, and he still still wins a heat. There's no way. I I saw him two or three times before the race. Like he was messed up from that crash. I don't want to go too far because then we're going to get into. Oh, these guys shouldn't be allowed to race. Obviously, he was capable of racing. He won the heat. He got six in the main. He wasn't a danger to anyone else out there. It wasn't that bad, but. That crash took something out of him. So I'm going to say it's a little different than normal, but hey, Davalos was leading the main event and fell. Cannot, yeah. cannot remove that from the record book. No, no, you can't. Different circumstances, but still. Yeah, still, if you win the heat, to me, you're, you're feeling pretty good. You're getting your heart rate up. You know, you're, you're yeah. We've uh, heard that a time or two before with Davalos. Uh, Cincerello was good, though, like, uh, but I think also too, Bogle was a bit of a story. Fast in practice for the first time, well, not not for the first time, but on the you know top three for the first time. And then, uh, man, he did not. Cincerello could not shake him. JT couldn't shake him. No, Bogle was good. I, I was I was uh, very interested to see how it was going to go to see if Cincerello would crack under Bogle's pressure, the championship pressure, a very tricky track, and. Just nothing. I mean, the kid was just rock solid. It's like he's done this a million times. I was really, really impressed with Adam on Saturday night. I really was. It's like, I think we said, I think, Weed, you said it last week, like, anything you throw at him lately, he just, like, you know, LCQs, uh, problems, crashes in the heat. Um, yeah, anything... I think we're past that. Yeah, like, the, like, oh, he's a rookie, what could happen? Like, I think it's that's done. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, okay, he could have a crash or a bad night just as a racing thing, but as far as, like, yeah. The rookie mistake, the overall inexperience, those tests are over. I don't think that's an issue now. I mean, now it's just the same type of thing that could unfold for any guy in a championship fight. But, you know, I said this before, I think, at the beginning of the year, but he hasn't been cocky or anything like that. You know, we know that he's taken some heat that's probably undue. You know, he doesn't walk around telling everybody how good he is. But I think deep down inside, he knew how good he was. And I just think that that's helped in this situation. Like, he realistically has felt for probably the last five years or ten that this is what I'm going to do when I'm there. So it makes it a little less overwhelming when you're actually doing it because he's probably – he won't tell anybody because it sounds terrible and cocky, but he probably has thought all along, well, this is yeah. not nervous. Like, this is where I should be. Yeah. And yeah. that's the way he's riding. It looks little, like he's just expecting this. I was now. a little worried about his uh, calorie intake after the race. Um, yeah. He had two sandwiches – some crackers and some Oreos all on a plate, like, waiting for him after he finished inter- being interviewed. Like, I feel like that's a lot of food. Two sandwiches and, and, and then crackers and Oreos? Mm, you get a trainer, sounds like. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about you questioning his training and diet program. Well, I relieved him of two of those Oreos during the interview. So, you know. I, I, was, I, just, ha- I just have a, a strong inclination that you shouldn't. Be advising his program. That's all. <laughs> just, just, just saying. I just, I didn't realize riders ate that much after the night. But, um, 
Um, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. A lot of it, it's very hard to eat on race day. Like, it, just nerves and appetite and time schedules and all that. So I think it's more calorie replacement at that point because the nerves are off and you can actually, you know, you have an appetite at that point. So I think for him growing, he's, what, 17 or whatever. His his metabolism is so fast and their training program is so strenuous that they need cal- he needs calories, period. So. I think what what someone would prescri- what Alden would prescribe for a thirty year old racer versus seventeen is probably quite a bit different. Well, he's two less Oreos down. Uh, Next week, expect him to fade. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bogle. Uh, that was a career best for Bogle. I didn't really realize that, but yeah, he only gotten a couple thirds. He said he got a, well. He said he got three or four, four third places. So career best. I think the finish and the ride. I mean. Forget about what place he got. He looked he looked great. Kind of surprised. Wouldn't you have said that Justin Bogle would have got second at some point at some race somewhere? Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. Because remember uh, when he first started his first year in Supercross, which would have been 12, 12, I think, he started right out of the gate. Like Barsha was the champ, and Barsha was mm-hmm. winning the majority of the races. And believe it or not, Bogle and Ken Roxon were battling hard for podiums the first three or four weeks. And I guess every time he ended up ended up third. Yeah. And then after that, the wheels just started coming off. All those weirdo, is he a punk incidents and yeah. taking dudes out and then blaming them and getting hurt. <laughs> Throwing his bike down when it when he crashed and walking off the track. and. Yeah, that crazy Toronto incident where he yeah. basically cross-jumped the dude and then yelled at him. In the <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess right up before that, I mean, he was really good, but I guess he still never got second. I was surprised, too. I thought for sure one of those races he got second. Ba- this just in, but Baggett's terrible starter. God. He was bad at start. I mean, he got third. Props to him for getting third, but he's never, I mean, I don't know what's going on. I mean, he qualified 11th, which neither of you two were that worried about. But, uh, yeah, that, those kind of starts aren't going to do anything to anybody. Uh, I got to, how far back did he finish? Hold on here. You he got, finished third. No, second-wise. Yeah, 18 seconds back of Bogle. Yeah, that's a lot. Do we have any updates on the starting uh, techniques from Kurt Hendrickson. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he gave Kurt a lot of credit last week at at Daytona. <laughs> Kurt was there, I think. So, um, okay, not yeah, not good. Kyle Cunningham was fast all day. Did you guys see Cunningham's move on Dakotas? Did they show that on TV or? Um, yeah, they did. Okay, what'd you guys make of that? Stroop Stroop thought it was dirty. Stroop, yeah. Are you sure Stroop wasn't just, uh, according to the lyrics, to riding dirty? <laughs> he tweeted that that yeah that Dakotas was his boy, and Casey's got one coming, and that was I think he said that was dirty. You know, I think we all. I, know, no, I honestly didn't see it, so I'm gonna let Weege cover it. Oh, okay. If there's one dude you don't want to take out. The public fired up. Jimmy D. Jimmy D. Very popular. Very yeah. popular in the social media world. Jimmy D looked. Jimmy D looked a little bit winded late in the race as he went backwards, but still in decent ride form until that that deal. Um, but hey, man, he doesn't go out on Friday nights. No, no, yeah, he does not. Uh, he did not go to Razzles on Friday night. No, no, not on Friday. No, no. no. Uh, Cunningham was good though, fourth place. He was good in practice. I I tweeted that the fantasy supercars dorks should put him on their team. So he just looked like he was spicy. He was spicing it up out there. So 
definitely Kyle's a pretty talented guy. So, um, you know, it's surprising that his best finish is a fourth. But hey, uh, Lemoyne too. Lemoyne fifth place. Wow, good good job for Lemoyne. Um, and then Jeremy Martin, another. Well, he had to go to the LCQ after crashing the heat. Thankfully, he won. He won the LCQ, didn't he? Yeah. No, he crashed. No, he crashed. Throw it away. He crashed. That's right. And Bichelia won. I can't believe it. Oh, Jmart. It happened again. By the way, Jmart re-upped with Star for two more years, according to someone in the pits that was trying to sign him. Um, did you guys see Alex get passed by Jeremy in the last turn? Uh, I did. Yes, it was right in front of us. What, Alex? It's the last turn of the race. You know someone's on you. Perhaps you know it's yep. your brother, and you're gonna dr- he, and you're going to ride out to the hay bales, out to the. I, I asked him about this. He was parked right next to our our BTO truck, yeah. and I because he was on my fantasy team, and I said, "Hey, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> um, you just cost me two points." And he said he had arm pumps so bad that it, he was lucky he made the turn at all. <laughs> okay. Hey, who else so. was on your fantasy point? You were very upset with. Uh, Who was it? You told me. Gavin Faith. Oh, you were fuming about Gavin Faith's ride. Not happy. <laughs> Not happy. No. He was good early. He was good. Yeah, that's that's why I was upset. <laughs> Do you feel, JT, like, because yeah, Faith was in uh, fifth. For, oh, he's in fourth for a while. Fourth for yeah, a while. Yeah, I talked, to, I talked yep. to his coach, trainer, whatever, uh, Brian Johnson after the race. And uh, apparently he's got all kinds of health issues going on, hasn't been able to really ride or get any kind of motos in. So he's in really no condition to do 15 laps strong. Like, he's fast, but he's well, not in shape at all. He won so, a heat race again. Yeah, yeah. He And he knows it going in. He's like, I guess he's debated not even racing because he's like, there's no way I can do 15 laps. It's just impossible for me right now. But. Uh-huh. He's out there anyway. So. so now that you know this knowledge, no fantasy team picking anymore. He, well, yeah, I would have. I wouldn't have picked him. I, he still did all right. Like it was, a, it was still a decent pick. But <laughs> for what he was capable of, his speed wise and everything, right. he he was very easily could have gotten a fifth, fifth or sixth place, no problem. Got you those fantasy points. Well, and yeah. I like the kid too. So there's always that. I mean. You're, you get bummed out for a guy that you know you don't know what's going on with him, and yeah. he doesn't have it. He doesn't really have a lot of help from what I've seen and heard. So mm-hmm. going from fifth to thirteenth is not going to do real well for your hopes of getting a ride. So Weege, seventeen points up for the kid with four rounds left. It looks pretty good. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, at this point, Dylan didn't like, undo him. I mean, anything can happen at any time to any racer. I mean, don't you? He's not, not going to blow it because he's 17 and a rookie, I don't think. Don't you feel like he could get third like Davalos with his eyes closed? Right? Like, like it just. Oh, you know me, Dylan. I don't like doing that kind of math. No, I know, but, like, I, I, but don't you? Like, what's his worst finish if he has an off night? Third, right? I mean, like, if he has a terrible night, don't you feel like he can get third? Yeah, it's it's what's happened to the, the 250 class. And. A couple of us at the office, we've been trying to figure out what the deal is. Like, they've both become... First of all, you're not at the office anymore. You work in, out of Charlotte. Well, I've been talking to the guys at the office who I crack the whip and say crunch these numbers. Uh, there's something... We, obviously, last year's 250 East was really weak. Uh, but this year, I think these guys are riding well. But there's still this weird deal where you're looking at basically, like, 
five or six guys who have full factory teams and trainers and great rides and all this stuff, and then there's the rest of the guys who are just barely getting in the races and still riding well, but mm-hmm. something's up. Like, it's the economy or it's contingency or it's teams or it's purse or it's, I don't even know. Um, but in the end, what it's leading to is, yeah, if you're, okay, bag it, you can start wherever, basically, and you're still going to get third. Because, you know, no offense to LeMoyne or, or Dakotas or any of those guys, I mean, those are privateers, and there's going to be an and, advantage. And those are privateers in the truest senses of the word, too. Oh, God, yeah. we, we have some videos this week. Chase and I, Chase Dell and I went to the pits, and we just did a video segment called Know Your 250 East Privateers. And uh-huh. every one of them, dude, they're just in vans. Like, just Ford vans, I, not box vans, nothing. I, I could not pick Oldenburg, uh, Wantland, Jackson right. Richardson out of a lineup. I could not do it. If one of them, you know, stole a basset hound and I was asked to pick it, pick it out in a cop shop, I could not do it. I don't know what those You would want are. to if they stole a basset hound. Yeah, no, I would want them punished to the full extent of the law, but I, I couldn't do it. I don't know what they – I don't know. I don't know what those guys – I yeah, know Jackson Richardson so. is from Australia, so maybe I could get him to talk. You know, but Wentland and Oldenburg, yeah, I'm out. So in general, yeah, that's just making it even easier if you're Cincerillo. Like, again, no offense to those guys, but we just know a factory bike, all the maker oh, training, yeah. Mitch Payton helping you out. You're right. gonna have an advantage to come through traffic if something bad goes, if something goes yeah, bad. Yeah, if, if Mitchell Oldenburg and, and uh, Cincerillo are starting, you know, 1-2, I, I know who I'm putting my money on. And it's, again, it's no offense to the guy in the van. So. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Hey, by the way, it's interesting. I, I heard – well, I'll bring this up in a little bit. I've got to get your guys' opinion on something I talked to with a, with a factory guy. Um, but um, uh, Vince Freeze, JT – uh, seventh place in the main, fifth place in the points. Solid season for Vince. Yeah, good ride. I mean, he's he's been there all year, as as last year too. Gone uh, pretty consistently between uh, sixth and seventh at every race. So, yeah, I don't know if that's going to get him on, you know, the team that he's looking for, yeah. or you know, he he's he definitely has said that he wants to be on that podium. Um, but yeah, anyway, look at it. He's had a solid year for sure. I have to excuse myself from this next conversation because I'm biased. So you two can discuss how Cole Thompson is doing this year. Go ahead. Um, not as good as I think it should be going. Can I say that? You can say whatever you want. I, I cannot yeah, yeah. discuss That's this. I, I again, not horrible. Not horrible. Like I don't think when he gets like fifth or sixth, I'm like, That's probably. About what you be expected, but he hasn't done that every week either. JT, I'm not saying he should be winning, mm-hmm. but that's about all. From what I, yeah, from what I've seen from him in Supercross, I think he's finishing and doing about what I expected. I, I feel like Canada, like we can't have anything good happen to us. Like, why can't we have something good? We never can get anything good to happen. Supercross, motocross wise, you know. Like, I mean, it's Canada. What do you want? just frustrating like Clatt had a good ride and support you know and Cole's got a good ride and support and he's doing okay but can't we just have like a podium you know just one just like a charity charity podium I don't know like Ecuador's even got one or a bunch you know like I don't know I feel like it's just screwy 
All right. Uh, oh, Wharton wasn't there. Hurt his knee. So, newsflash. Okay. Is that it? Anything else? Uh, you had something about a factory guy or something? Yeah, yeah. No, about anything else about this class? Nope. Okay. Good. Here's what. I, here's so we ran a racer X interview with Chris Blose. Um, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and in there, Chris has been having a good season, qualifying for most of the mains. And did, did either one of you guys read that story? Weed, you did, I'm sure. But JT, did you read that? I mean, I did, not, I did no. the interview, so yeah, I read it. Oh, you did it? Okay, I thought Chase yeah, did it. Was it. Me. Oh, oh, I thought Chase did it. Um, no, I did. um, he was saying like how basically he is. I mean the the. Factory Metal Works team is taking us back to the races. He, he's he's getting a mechanic, JT, just strangers on the weekend from dealerships. That's who he's getting, uh, a mechanic and stuff. So, um, wow, yeah, that's, uh, that's risky. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he has the guy doing, but so this factory guy was just telling me like, and he, I, I don't want to pick on Blos because we know what where that went last time, um, but he, this guy was telling me this factory guy saying, you know. These privateers, and he said all of them, they they cry, you know, poor, and they 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 explain themselves about like how tough it is to be a privateer and this and that. He goes, what, you know, blows is flying back and forth. He's like, that's pretty expensive to fly back and forth. Like, why don't you just get a van and you know drive around and do the series in a van and and make yourself some money? Like, this guy was saying basically like every time he reads something about privateers. And this is why I'm not naming his name, so no one kills him next weekend. Um, every time you read something about privateers, it's always "woe is me," "poor me," this and that. And and this guy was saying that you know he was once a privateer, and you know he lived in his van and and drove around to the races and had a blast and made some money and you know enjoyed himself a lot. And he's like, I don't understand why all these guys. Make it sound so miserable and so tough. They choose to do it, and they choose to do it sometimes in in a wrong way. Like this guy thought Blow should be living in a van instead of, you know, doing all this other stuff. What do you guys think about that, Weege? Is this guy retired? No, he's currently working in the industry. Okay. What do you think of that, Weege? Uh, I had a whole long podcast about this with David Iser from DMXS, the the original. <laughs> Oh, it's breaking up. Break, break. <laughs> the original still best motocross internet show. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I really thought I was going to get killed because I did kind of lash out, and I'm like, the you know, it gets me mad sometimes the privateer thing because the automatic word that gets attached to all privateers is they have so much heart, and I know there's obviously some that do. I thought you were going to say struggling because that seems to follow them too. Well, it's always they're struggling. Someone should help them. They have so much heart, and there are certainly some that definitely. Do I mean JT? I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone. I know that you worked as hard as you possibly could. It was not because, you know, we, we've gone over this a million times. The results are not always that you didn't do the Jeff Ward training program. But I think there are other guys who, like, hey, they don't end up being as good because maybe they don't work as hard. Like I'm sure Dungey and Villapoto and those guys are earning everything they get, you know. And I just feel like it's disrespectful when, if you say privateers have heart, you're basically saying. They want it more than the guys who are making money, which is not really fair. I brought up, yeah. I brought up Justin Brayton. There was a yep. guy that was a privateer. I mean, he was a private. He he rode yeah. arena cross with stock suspension, stock oil, stock forks, stock springs, everything. Um, you know, he just didn't know any better. He seemed like it was. He said it worked pretty well. Um, oh. <laughs> but like, My, what I would say, 
I just want to jump in. What I would say to whoever was commenting on that. I can't tell you their name. I can't tell you their name. I know, I know, I know. I do agree to a point. I agree in in it somewhat. But I also feel that there is a lot to be said for being able to fly back home and have continuity in your program. Uh, If if Chris Blow stayed on the road after Detroit, he's going to go where in practice this week? It's like 10 degrees there. So he's going to drive to Toronto and do what exactly? You know, he can't practice. He can't really do anything. So you sit around. Everyone else is home on their their tracks in the warm, practicing, getting better, doing all these things. Chris Bose is hanging out in the van, uh, <laughs> freezing. So while I agree to an extent, there is a lot to be said for trying to mimic and stay on the same preparation playing field as the rest of the guys. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. The other thing about the privateer deal is, and I'm pumped that, like, that ending that thing's kind of getting out, but he's having a good time. And these interviews we do with these 250 guys, I think they really are having fun. Like, the struggling thing kind of bums me out because for sure they are struggling, for sure part of it sucks. Well, but at the same time, I think a lot of the guys are actually enjoying it. Like, it's not like they have a gun to their head. Like, no, they, I like doing this. I think it's cool. I'm living the dream. Like, I wish we could figure out a better way to get that out because every privateer story is always sad. But I don't think it always is sad. I think a lot of times the guys well, like it. I mean, it's it's cool. They're riding dirt bikes for a living. It's kind of what I brought up. I brought that up, and then also I was going to say, like, Entenapp's last column on PulpMX.com, the original and best mm. website named PulpMX.com out there. Um, he just talks about what what a blast he's having. This is awesome. Yeah. He says this is, this is incredible, you know. And a lot of times, and I mean, even, and again, I don't want to pick on Jimmy D, but he vents about the purse money, and he's right. It's not good in the 250 class, but, hey, it's not bad in 450s. It can, yes, it can be better. Yes, it can be better, but it ain't that bad. So go get a 450, you know, and go race that class and make the mains and, and, and do what Ronnie Stewart's doing or whatever. Like, you always just hear – you hear a lot about privateers and how they get bent over and how it's so tough. And I just feel like, and I felt like this guy out of the blue, he brought this up to me and said, how come I always read this about in any point? He said racer X, meaning like, I guess we do a lot of, he reads a lot of struggling privateer stories in racer X. I don't know. Well, really... We do one every week. So it's easy appointment viewing every Thursday. We're going to have one. Oh, we are. Oh, you don't even know that privateer profile. Oh, I didn't know if it was every week. I didn't know if it was every week or not, but... Yeah. Okay. Glad right. you're reading it. Glad you're learning. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I do some of them, I'm sure. Um, anyways, uh, so it's just something to think about. Like, and again, I like Ryan Clark. I got along with him. I got along with him really good when he raced, and, and I would say hi to him now. But a lot of times he wrote a column in Racer X every month, and it was a lot of times it was all about how, um, you know, he the, the factory bikes are so much better, and... The, the privateers are so rough and life is so bad. And I just, I, I, I just kind of agree with this factory guy a little bit. Like it's, I did it and I did it as a mechanic. I, I work, I lived in two vans, two different seasons. I lived on the road in a van, um, working for privateers, you know, and well, and then, yeah, I worked another two years with Ty Birdwell, which, you know, again, full privateer guy. So I've done it. As a mechanic, I've been there. I know what it's like. So I'm coming from somewhat experience. I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. I, I, I had a great time, and I, I feel like, yeah, we should get the word out of the internaps or those 250 guys we, that you were talking to and realize that it's, it's tough, but it's also 
if you're a young guy, it's also the time of your life, at, at, you know, as well. So, I don't know, just something interesting that I think about. I was thought about on the plane today. Yeah, it's just hard to get across, and that's just too bad. It's hard to, to like. Andy Knapp's been out here for a couple of years, and then we, you just kind of just figured this out, right? Like, whoa, did you know about this dude? You know, it's just hard to get those stories out. That it's so easy to just say they're not making a lot of money, so their life sucks. That's just an easy go-to story, but to find the dudes who are like actually thinking it's awesome when they're who knows where riding at some random practice track on a Wednesday when no one's there watching them to find that out, to know that they're enjoying it, to know who their buddies are, to know what they do. Yeah. So hard stories to uncover, but I'm sure it's out there. Yep. And although JT, you know, you were pretty much the Cadillac of privateers. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> wow. You had, I, a, you had a lot of places to ride that were pretty good though. So. Uh, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. But I spent, Many, many, many weeks on the road in a van. Yeah. No, there was a time where you and Frank wouldn't talk to each other for a long time while you, yeah. guys, were, while you guys were driving together. Yeah, it was a, it was a business venture at times, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> no, I, I can remember being in Illinois with my buddy Jason Frenette, and I was working for Timmy or somebody, and, and Hart was there, and we were trying to find someplace to ride, and there was a shop called The Edge at a Supercross track. Oh, yeah. And uh, we went there, and, I mean, it is basically snowing. And these guys are trying to ride carbureted bikes back then, you know, and uh, trying to bust out some laps. And, you know, it's just just freezing fingers and, you know, barely could ride for that weekend, St. Louis Supercross or whatever. Just, but again, like, those are fun times. So, I don't know. Yeah. Something I just thought I'd bring up. So. All right. Anything else? Detroit. We're going to Toronto this weekend. Best race of the year, hands down. Really? Stamp it. Stamp it. <laughs> kind of jacked up pits a little bit, but terrific poutine at Cactus Jacks across the dome and about two blocks down Front Street. So, Weed, you're making a return to Toronto for the first time in a while. It is good, man. I like Toronto. Highly underrated race, but I don't think we can almost the, – the, the, the tag on underrated is about to uh, wear off because I think at this point people know that. Yeah. Like, it's Get catching on. Um, I have a – similar the way, the way I had a sheet sent to me by uh, our buddy Denny Hartwig. It showed me some uh, crowd counts. And it's something like it's up 44% or something like that since when they started it. Like, it's really grown. I, yeah, I would believe that. It, it has grown. Now, I wonder if the return to Detroit will hurt it. You wonder. How far is that? I don't think so. How far is that, Jake? It's uh, three and a half to four hours. Okay. Yeah, it's still pretty good distance to drive, so maybe not. I think the Toronto people that go to Toronto are pretty, pretty faithful. Like they love going to Toronto. I love going to Toronto. We know. Will you guys meet me at Gretzky's on Friday, and we can we can eat there, and we can have the ninety nine seared into the bun? I can't make any promises. I don't want anything seared into my buns. <laughs> it's fantastic. They seared the number 99 right in your hamburger bun. It's awesome. Weege? No? I'll be there. I mean, I have to admit, the last time I went to the Gritskys and even the Hockey Hall of Fame, I actually enjoyed it. Oh, you did go to the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Me and J-Bone. J-Bone, right. The two yeah. least likely people I would think would ever go in the Hall of Fame went together. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you got us into that. I don't know either. Was Marsha there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Barger had a mask on, one of the goalie masks. Couldn't see him. 
uh, actually, at this just watch the main dude. He's just running into dudes. It's hilarious. Well, him and Short had words afterwards, but then it looked like it was okay, right? Like they looked like there weren't there wasn't finger pointing or finger effing going on or finger nope, finger there wasn't finger blasting or anything like that. No, there uh, wasn't. No. Right. So what were they talking about? Did you did you? Talk uh, about? I didn't ask Shorty, but yeah. he wasn't mad at Barsha at all. So I don't think there was any harsh words said at all. Well, were you? We just that one of the guys that Barsha was just ramming. I think it was. Yeah, oh, yeah. he made some contact with him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, not short. even just ramming. Like the short on the pass on the short on pass. The pass <laughs> on short. It was just I'm putting my bike in the inside. Now it's on your game, your move. <laughs> right, right, right. I will be on the inside. You want to run into me, or you want to get past? What do you want to do? Yeah. I will use this as a weapon. Hey, well, I mean, I'm not. I'm not complaining. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I like it. He's it's the. Fun to watch. He's the. He's the villain right now. I mean, Mike. Mike, unless he's a bit of a villain, but. Just because he's Michael Essie, like there's a lot of things, the dad and the team, and he's he's not he's a good guy, but he's a bit of a villain. But then Barsha's like another villain and seems to embrace it. Like talking about hockey masks, he should really just wear like a Jason Voorhees mask out for opening ceremonies. Like, what if he takes out Alessi? I don't know. That's a great point. Who? Yeah. Who? What is the internet? Put it all back. Streams. The hundred. Yeah. What does the internet decide if that happens? I think Barsha wins that one. What do you think? Weege, maybe you can help Barsha out a little bit. You have a wrestling background. Okay. And opening ceremonies, like, what is that guy that was the the undertaker or the grave robber or something? What was his name? The, the grave oh, robber. You, you freaking, I can't believe you just fell into the classic trap. What? This is what everybody does. No one wants to admit they know anything about wrestling and monster trucks. So they purposely screw up Gravedigger's name and Undertaker's name because they know what the names are. They know. They don't want to admit it. No. They purposely, and then they feel like if I mess up Gravedigger and Undertaker, you will not then no, think I know anything not, about monster trucks or not, wrestling. That is not my master plan, believe me. What was everybody, the, take her under. What was the, take her under a lot. What was the guy's name? Or he was the grave robber, Grim under, Reaper. Undertaker, you liar. Okay, Undertaker. All right. Don't you feel like Barsha could run that that out that look with a goalie mask, maybe a machete, could be rubber, could be made out of rubber. I mean, he holds a club right now in the opening ceremonies for Bam. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I think he's kind of going that direction. So he's holding a club. They said, "Hey, Justin, can you hold this club?" Yeah. Like Bam Bam in the cartoon. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. Like he's kind right. of embracing it already. So could he come out as the Undertaker? You know, like I'm gonna like once you once I hit you, you know, you're done, like you're dead, and like have the goalie mask, and they can play the music, like. You folks should be YouTubing Undertaker's intro right now. It's spectacular. His manager was named Paul Bearer, <laughs> and they had this urn. <laughs> like if if someone was actually doing moves on him, and it looked like he might lose, they would hold the urn up, and then he would sit up like that. Something, some spirit in the urn, like he was half dead, but the spirit in the urn kept him alive. Like, come on, no, no, he wouldn't. Paul Bearer was his manager, and he'd come down with the urn, and it was like for years, what is in that urn? What is, what, who is that? Whose ashes are in that urn? I know one thing. That Undertaker guy was 100% on steroids, without a doubt. That is the biggest human being I've ever seen in my life. Weren't they all? I don't know. He was on extra steroids. He was so huge. Weren't they all? Um, But, uh, you know, don't you feel like Barsha could do something like that? No, I would just recommend him take Alessi out. That would be my three-hour advice. <laughs> well, all right, okay. Just, yeah, all right, okay. Fans, fans be pumped on that. All right, BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. 
Uh, Detroit Supercross wrap-up. I'm Steve Mathis. Don't forget to shop at btosports.com. Buy some Fox stuff. Get suspension done by Race Tech. Read RacerX online. Listen to RacerX online. Look at Breakdown this week. Look at Observations this week. Please read Redux. Um, what else? And uh, DMXS Radio, the original and still best. <laughs> of course. Wednesday nights. Check them out. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years go. 